Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Good morning, Jesus 911, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Ruben Ava, Jesse Romero, two man car. We are 10 8. Jesse, good morning. How are you doing, sir? I am reporting for duty and uh, getting better every single day from my shingles. Just a uh, slight improvement every day, but uh, God has given me the opportunity to enter into redemptive suffering. So, yep, I'm, I'm pulling a lot of people out of purgatory, God willing. Well, it could have been worse. It could have been that monkey virus, Jesse, here. <laughs> oh, that's nasty, bro. Don't even say that. But no, you're right. That, uh, that thing is. It looks wicked, but again, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, yeah. you know, it's funny, Ruben, in, in the book of Revelation, I think it's chapter 16, it talks about uh, the way in, in, in the end times that they will, uh, you know, uh, we will receive boils and plagues, and it's kind of interesting. I mean, here we got the monkey virus, and then, uh, you know, they they want to they want to identify us and vax, vax passes and yeah. chips. Yeah. Well, the Revelation oh, chapter five also talks about the mark of the beast. What's what I'm saying is what's interesting. A lot of things that are mentioned in the book of Revelation, kind of these symbolic things, or we think are symbolism. Uh, now we're dealing here with uh, you know people wanting to chip us, and we're also dealing with uh, with uh, these viruses or, or, or these plagues. Uh, so it's very interesting as, uh, because we know the book of revelation is a timeless book. What happened 2000 years ago will happen again in some way, shape or form. Yep. That's right. And it's all part of the globalist plan. You know, that they, uh, the U S spent millions on, uh, vaccines for this virus. So they, they knew ahead of time. This is, this is concocted. Uh, I have no doubt. You don't trust anything the government's doing. No, Ruben, you're right. And it's funny because, you know, once upon a time, I mean, you know, we worked for the government, but it was a different it was a different time. It was a different era. Uh, it's uh, I mean, things things have 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 gone off the rails fairly quickly in our lifetime. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I could just point to one thing. You take God out of the equation and, you know, you take him out of the schools, you take him out of uh, out of, you know, they're not the public even square. Public, yeah, the public square. And uh, yeah. And this is what you get. You just—you're right. You just have anarchy and moral relativism and chaos. Yeah. Hey, Ruben, there's a, these two movies that came out from—they were made by Protestants, mm -hmm. and one—they're both. Both of them were movies about two boys that died, had a near-death experience, or, or I think they actually died, and uh, both of them alleged to have gone to heaven. I, I watched one, Heaven is for Real, and I think I got the book. It was by uh, Todd Burpo, who I think he's like 14 years old now. Now, that story, the Burpo family and Todd maintains it's it's real. He stands by the story. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, we call those generally near-death experiences. The other book, it was another movie that came came out a little bit before that, and a book, or or did it just come out in book? I'm not sure. I, I think It was, it was called... Just in book, book and movie. The, I think. I, okay, I think the boy the who, the boy who came back from heaven. Yeah, that was from Kevin and Alex Malarkey. That one turned out to be false, and the reason I thought it was important to do the show today because I get emails, and people ask me the question about both of these movies, mm -hmm. and I and uh, that's why I had to just look into it because I knew one person recanted his story, and the other one has always maintained the story as being true. So we're going to dissect that 
today, Ruben. Okay. The article says, it says, discern truth from lies. Uh, examining the heaven is for real hoax. The devil is in the details. Not to be confused, are two different children heavenly stories. Malarkey, the boy who came back from heaven, and Burpo, the boy who went to heaven. One is true, and the other a recanted lie. Go ahead, Ruben. So the boy who came back from heaven is the tale of an imaginative six-year-old boy who was frightened and in shock after a terrifying accident and his alleged near-death experience. His best-selling book quickly sold more than one million copies and created a stir in the evangelical community. And in the book, Malarkey suffers a near-fatal accident, breaking his spinal column at the neck. Doctors all but give up hope on him, yet miraculously he lives. And During his hospitalization... Alex tells captivating, this is Alex Malarkey, uh, the full story, tells captivating stories to the people who surrounded him during his medical crisis. The stories intrigue his family and friends, and at the, age, at the tender age of six, he uses these heavenly stories to gain attention. His father, Kevin Malarkey, saw hope and opportunity in his son's tales, and the father-son duo later collaborated to write the, bo the book, The Boy Who Came Back From Heaven, a book that tells a story of how the youngster went to heaven and returned. And then yet many discerning believers wondered about Alex's confusing heavenly details because God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. First Corinthians 14, 33. For many people who are familiar with the scripture, Alex's recollections were cause for alarm. For, for example, um, Alex recalls heaven as a mostly dark place where he often saw the devil going in and out through a hole in outer heaven. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah, Alex describes the devil. The devil's mouth is funny looking with only a few moldy teeth, and I've never noticed any ears. His body has a human form with two bony arms and two bony legs. He has no flesh on his body, only some moldy stuff. His robes are torn and dirty. I don't know about the color of the skin or robes. It's just too scary to concentrate, concentrate on these things. We find hope and confirmation of the heavenly. Perhaps this is the reason why so many people were attracted to Alex's story. Aside from that, it's hard to believe that an injured child could make such things up. So we assumed he was offering an honest account. But that, that was red flags all over that, that story. Oh, gosh. As a Catholic, come on. These are Protestants, remember. As a Catholic, <laughs> first of all, it's very basic theology. The devil's not in heaven. He got cast out yep. eons ago. So <laughs> for, first, uh, yeah. first alarm. Yeah. It says, though unflattering, these details are helpful in understanding what caused Alex to conjure up his near-death experience and his fictional visit to heaven as described in the book? It was a tall tale that created a heaven is for real hoax, and many were left confused after Alex revealed the truth. So Alex Malarkey recanted his fabricated story, shocking everyone except for his mother. Admitting wrongdoing can be both painful and a source of freedom. Alex, now a teenager, has been reading his Bible, and that's good news. <clears throat> Recently, Alex Malarkey realized his actions were wrong, and he posted a comment on his Facebook page recanting his original story. He confessed to making up everything in the book, a comment that oddly was deleted by the page's moderators. After this, his mother, Beth Malarkey, posted his retraction on her online blog and tried to reach booksellers, but was given no heed. John MacArthur, uh, the, the pastor that sued uh, over in California, that, yeah. that uh, yeah, he, from Grace Community, it's called. John MacArthur's, quote, the glory of heaven contains the disclaimers of both mother and son. According to Beth, the predicament arose because Alex never concluded he was in heaven. He was a small boy who experienced something ordinary. Extraordinary. Yeah. Ex oh, extraordinary. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, furthermore, Which, by the way, could could have been diabolical. Yeah. Extraordinary. It also could mean diabolical. Yeah. So, furthermore, Alex wrote the following letter in a desperate attempt to recant the contents of his book and to stop the profiteering from his fable. It was entitled "An Open Letter to Lifeway and Other Sellers, Buyers and Marketers of of Heaven Tourism by the Boy Who Did Not Come Back from Heaven." And so his letter says, please forgive my brevity, but I have to keep this short. Alex says, I did not die. I did not go to heaven. When I made the, cl- the claims, I never re- read, read the Bible. I said I went to heaven because I thought it would get me attention. When I made the claims that I did, I had never read the Bible. People have profited from lies and continue to. They should read the Bible, which is enough. The Bible is the only source of truth. <clears throat> Anything written by man cannot be infallible. As we know, Catholics, we have you know the magisterium and... sacred tradition it is only through repentance of your sins and a belief in jesus as the son of god who died for your sins even though he committed none of his own so that you can be forgiven may you learn of heaven outside of what is written in the bible um not by reading a work of man i want the whole world to know that the bible is sufficient those who market these materials must be called to repent and hold the bible as enough in christ alex malarkey now, that was a good recantation. Mm-hmm. It says, so the bad news, six-year-old Alex fabricated his story. The good news, teenage Alex encountered the Lord and admitted his mistakes after reading the scriptures. <clears throat> Despite confusion created by the book and critics, Colton Burpo, who's the other guy, this is a true story, who maintains it's true, knows heaven is for real. A young Colton Burpo also tells of his own near-death experience in the books, Heaven is for Real. The New York Times bestseller has sold over 6 million copies, has been published in 39 languages, and was made into a blockbuster movie in 2014. Mm, I watched it. I thought it was was a pretty good movie. I enjoyed it. The Burpo family has a global evangelical family ministry. Colton's greatest desire in life is to let people know about how much God loves us, sometimes through music, yet because of the malarkey, the, uh, the Alex Malarkey, Heaven is for Real hoax, Colton Burpo has come under pressure about the authenticity of his heavenly journey. Did you know, even though Colton's father's a minister, Colton much prefers singing his message to people in the audience at the Heaven is Real ministry events? And uh, this is what he has to say about the recent Heaven is for Real controversy. Dear friends, I know there's been a lot of talk about the truth of other Heaven stories in the past few days. I just wanted to take a second and let everyone know that I stand by my story found in my book, Heaven is for Real, Colton Burpo. And so uh, despite diabolical interference, uh, Colton Burpo, he confirms Heaven is for Real. So Malarkey's recantation of his story ironically coincided with the release of the 2014 blockbuster movie Heaven is for Real, which gave people hope of a heaven to look forward to. The timing of Malarkey's recanted story is no coincidence and worth examining. The release of Malarkey's false narrative was so coincidental and disruptive, it seemed to have intentional and damaging spiritual roots. Who would who would intentionally want to see works of God fail? Wow. Ruben, if in the Catholic faith we got two thousand years of stories like this that are that are documented, well documented. There's a book from ten. It's called uh, Four Hundred People Raised from the Dead by Saints." It's yeah. one of those classics. We have so many near-death experiences, or even people that were dead that came back to life in the Catholic faith. We don't need to go to these Protestants, but hey, God bless that one Protestant for owning up to lying. And uh, and I hope that other story is true because it was a powerful movie. Hey, up next. We're going to be talking about transgender threat. Now, back to Jesus 911.
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, we are back. We're going to be talking about uh, transgenderism, and um, we're going to play a short video for you to... uh, to, to uh, Jesse, you want to um, just uh, yeah, this is, tell this them is about Ryan, the mm-hmm. Yeah, this is Ryan Anderson. He's a Catholic, and uh, this is from Edify. This is put out by Catholic Vote. This is kind of like our pra- our own Prager University series uh, that's put out by Dennis Prager. This is kind of the Catholic counterpart to the Prager Uni- uh, University series. It's called Edify. You'll have Catholic speakers and Catholic content. Mr. Engineer, can you play the clip? So we're, we're waiting to hear Ryan Anderson. It's a video called The Transgender Threat. And as the engineer is getting the, uh, <clears throat> as he's queuing up the fi- video, I just want to mention about the last topic, near-death experiences. And go ahead and, Anthony, put it on whenever you can. Uh, on the last topic, near-death experiences are something that are kind of common in, in, around the world. In fact, there's an sure. instant. The threat is two people who I who identify as transgender, and to our society as a whole. The threat is coming from activists pushing a transgender ideology who reinvent language, tear down medical safeguards, and push their ideology on children. First, let's understand some of the basics in their own words. According to a recent publication by the American Psychological Association, quote, transgender is an umbrella term for persons whose gender identity, gender expression, or behavior does not conform to that typically associated with the sex to which they were assigned at birth. Note that phrase, assigned at birth. According to trans activists, biological sex is not real. The sex which a person identifies with is that person's sex, regardless of his or her innate physical characteristics. In other words, a man who identifies as a woman is a woman, and always was a woman. What does biology say? Modern science shows that our sex manifests itself in every level of our being, from the obvious physical differences between men and women to our internal organs and the way our bodies are structured, and continuing all the way down to our DNA. Men and women are different from the moment of conception. Cosmetic surgery and cross-sex hormones can affect appearances, but they cannot change the underlying biological reality. Some trans activists try to muddy the waters by pointing to certain extremely rare disorders of sexual development. But just because a person has a developmental disorder that makes it harder to be readily categorized as either male or female does not mean that person is neither male nor female. What does philosophy say? We don't have to read Genesis to understand that God created us male and female. We know that there is a difference between identity and reality. Just because someone identifies as something doesn't necessarily mean he or she is that thing. I identify as a Baltimore Orioles fan, therefore I am one. But if I identified myself as an 80-year-old woman, simply claiming that would not make me an 80-year-old woman. What about the medical and psychological fields? Gender dysphoria is a real condition that can cause tremendous pain and suffering. Certainly, we should be compassionate towards people with gender dysphoria. But so-called sex reassignment is impossible because sex isn't assigned to begin with. And there is no medical evidence that transitioning from one sex to another actually resolves that pain and suffering. In fact, there is a lot of evidence that transgender treatments actually cause further harm. 
In 2016, the Obama administration concluded that after a review of the best studies, that there were no clinically significant improvements in the quality of life of people who underwent gender reassignment surgery. The most thorough long-term study of people who underwent gender reassignment surgery was done in Sweden over the course of 30 years. It found that people who underwent gender reassignment surgery had a suicide rate 20 times higher than their peers. And a study just last year, using the largest data set ever, revealed that neither hormonal nor surgical transition brought any benefit to patients. Finally, the best studies indicate that when children with gender dysphoria are given time and space to deal with their internal conflicts without puberty blockers or cross-sex hormones, between 80 and 95% of them will naturally embrace their bodily sex. So how does all of this affect you? What is the threat to society? First, trans activists push their ideology at the expense of girls and women. They demand laws that allow men who identify as women to enter female-only spaces, like women's bathrooms, locker rooms, and even prisons. This poses a safety and privacy risk to our mothers, sisters, wives, daughters, and granddaughters. That ain't gonna happen on my Males life. are also being allowed in many states to compete in female sports. Males have inherent differences in their bodily structures, which no surgery or hormone can change, which give them tremendous athletic advantages. Second, people are being forced to speak and act in support of trans ideology. There are increasing examples of people being fired from their jobs for not addressing a person by that person's preferred pronouns or shamed for not specifying their own pronouns. Most importantly, transgender ideology is being marketed to young children. In examples like the genderbred person or drag queen story hours, these messages confuse children and the intense push for transgender ideology over the last several years has led to a rapid increase of teenage girls identifying as transgender. For children to be healthy, they need help from adults to accept their physical bodies and understand themselves as male or female. People who identify as transgender deserve our love and compassion. And that is exactly why we must speak the truth in love. Biology is not bigotry. I'm Ryan Anderson, author and president of... Well, he's right on, right on the money. He's speaking like a true Catholic. You know, Ruben, St. Paul talks about that in the last days and times that people will depart from the faith and they will listen to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. That's in 1 Timothy 4.1. Well, guess what? The whole transgender ideology is a doctrine of demons. I'm going to repeat it again. Mm -hmm. The whole transgender ideology is, is what St. Paul would call in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, that in the latter times, people will depart from the faith and listen to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. How does the devil operate? Deception. That's exactly the way he operates. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. He's a deceiver, and he's deceived the whole world. This is one of the modern-day deceptions of Satan upon the human race, is to make people think that they can become whatever they believe they are, uh, you know, just, just by wishing it or willing it. Once again... This is deception at its finest. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Because they think they could separate the, um, they could accept the the biological. They could the what they're assigned at birth, and what they believe in their head are two different things. So when they 
consequently, when a biological male identifies as a female and then has re related surgery, they speak of that medical practice as gender confirmation versus gender assignment, reassignment. So, um, because they believe their anatomy now reflects their true identity as a human person. Uh, you know, the church is, is, has stood by this for, you know, 2,000 years. That They have a different take. The church says, you know, the, that that's grounded in genuinely confirmed reality. One's born either male or female. Isn't it funny, Jesse, that there are only two options for gender reassignment surgery, male or female? But but they got, you know, uh, how many, what, 50, 60, 70 different labels now they have? I've heard at least 50. At least. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's so... But uh, that's funny that the Ruben again. This this goes back to again everything, everything in the natural order in the world to me always goes back to the spiritual. There's always a spiritual component, yeah. and we know that John the Apostle warned us in Second John chapter one verse seven. He says, "Many deceivers have gone out into the world." Well, guess what? These are one of the this this transgender movement. This fulfills the prophecy of John. Of many deceivers have gone out into the world. Why? Because deception is the way the devil operates amongst the human race. Okay, look. Don't look at my right hand. Look at my left hand. He uses deception. Yeah. But uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church is very clear that the Church, for two thousand years, and I mean going back all the way to the Book of Genesis, it says in paragraph two three three three, it says every man and woman should acknowledge and accept his sexual identity. Physical, moral, and spiritual difference and complementarity are oriented towards the goods of marriage and the flourishing of family life. The harmony of the couple and of society depends in part on the way in which the complementarity needs and mutual support between the sexes are lived out. So the Catechism mm -hmm. is saying that you need this different sexual complementarity for the proper, the proper role of marriage and also for the flourishing of family life to produce the next generation. Mm -hmm. This is the way God designed. This is God's plan and design. And anybody that wants to tinker with this is like dropping a nuclear bomb on society, Ruben. That's right. And the church recognizes that every human person is, is uh, created in the image and likeness of God, male or female. That's right out of Genesis uh, 1, 26 and 27. So we should help people discover their true identities as children of God, not support them in, in the disordered attempt to reject their undeniable biological identity. And uh, Deut Deuteronomy 25 says, this, this is something, the woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. So this is even worse. You're putting on the opposite body parts. Then we're not just talking about clothing. <laughs> so. Mm. If the clothing is an abomination to God, what do you think you, you, your your men are putting on uh, breasts and 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 whatnot? You know, so that's right. Uh, Crazy, you, you know. And again, why is all this happening? The Church tells us in paragraph four hundred seven of the Catechism that the devil dominates men, and the devil. How does the devil? What does the devil use to dominate the human race? The Catechism says number one, education. Number two, politics. Number three, social action. And number four, morals, morality. The fact is, the devils use uh, these these uh, doctors and turn a lot of these doctors and scientists into tyrants, into medical tyrants and science, scientific tyrants that are just teaching things that are totally false. And they've used them to, pr to promote what I would call child abuse. 
Because to do this to a kid, Ruben, uh, you know, to, to put a kid, you know, give him puberty blockers and, and to, you know, start cutting off his body parts and doing mutilation these, and these, these surgeries, uh, this is nothing less than child abuse. And many people in our medical and scientific community uh, have, have basically played into the, into the hands of the devil and they're using their, their, their schooling and their degrees to promote what I would call uh, physical child abuse and emotional child abuse. Mm-hmm. We're literally experimenting on children, Jesse. Uh, maybe that's... Uh, Even why. Bill Moore said that the other day. Surprised me. I, almost, uh, I just that's... read that he put out a Twitter. He says, why are we experimenting with kids? This is Bill Moore. I mean, daddy yeah. of the leftist yeah. is uh, calling these guys out for doing what they're doing. Yeah, so we, you know, he, he, I think in his uh, blog he, or whatever he posted, he said that... You know, even uh, Sweden and Finland have stopped giving these uh, puberty blockers to kids because they they know that it hinders the development of, of bone density, and That's uh, right. and, and hinders the development, um, which it's which kind of important. I think he said he made a joke about. It. He says it's kind of important if you uh, if you like having a skeleton. <laughs> hey, we'll continue talking about this conversation. This is a big big conversation. And it's front and center in our culture. We'll be talking about the transgender threat. Stick around. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus nine one one. We're talking about transgenderism, and uh, we're, we we just played a video, and um, it it uh, pretty la- pretty much lays out just how uh, it's a psychological psychological thing that uh, these these people who who think they're the another gender. Um, it just it's a mental it, disorder. One hundred percent, Jesse. Th- that can even be that can even have some diabolical components because demons have access to our imagination and our memories. So there's also a diabolical, especially if you're living in mortal sin. If you're living in mortal sin, first of all, you got a malformed conscience, and then you're open to diabolical suggestions. So yeah, I mean, you know, strike one, strike two, Reuben. But one of the things that I like. One of the the, the the secular pieces of evidence to show how dangerous this is, and this guy that put this out, uh, you know, Ryan Anderson from Edify, he said, uh, it says he found that people who underwent gender reassignment surgery had a suicide rate 20 times higher than their peers. If that doesn't say everything you need to know, if there's some type of behavior that causes suicide to increase 20%, then I would say common sense dictates you stop that behavior immediately. Simple. Yeah, exactly, Jesse. And and what was interesting is that these studies went on under Obama's administration. Mm-hmm. So it was. So the left can't say, "Oh, this is just some of you right wing nuts that are, um, you know, are, are putting this out so that you can uh, keep us down." Um, I know Trenhorn had a, a good article about transgenderism and, and it, it makes a lot of sense because he, he says, uh, that there were, um, this consider this, this non hypothetical example. What if a person thinks she's disabled, but is actually healthy? Should we treat her mistaken sense of identity or should we disable her? So her body conforms to her mistaken identity. 
And just as transgender people make a distinction between the sex they are purportedly assigned at birth and the sex they now identify with, they have this term called the transabled make a distinction between disabilities societies says that they don't have and the disabilities they think they have. So there are people who think they, uh, you know, let's say they're, I, I, uh, I'm, tr- uh, I've uh, think, got no use of my legs. Hy- hypochondriac. Right? Isn't yeah. there a term called hypochondriac? Yeah. Uh, yeah that's that's a medical term, right? I mean, it is people- for people who, who think that they're sick all the time, but this yeah. is one, there was a, a woman that, that uh, they show a picture of her and this woman that although her legs function properly, she she still uses leg braces in a wheelchair because she identifies as a disabled. Living as an able-bodied person is as painful for her as it is for a transgender person to live in accordance with his biological sex. So some trans-abled people even ask doctors to help them become disabled, such as by having their spinal cord severed. Can you believe that? Mm. So, but how is allowing a person to identify as a trans-able any different from allowing him to identify as a transgender. In fact, he, uh, Trent Horn says, in fact, one researcher in Canada who happens to be a transgender but not transable says the transgender community hasn't supported the transabled community because the former doesn't want its recent momentum in the court of a public opinion to grind to a halt by being associated with what most people recognize to be a serious pathology. Indeed, we are disgusted that a doctor would amputate the healthy limbs of a transabled person. Then why aren't we equally disgusted by a doctor who would amputate the healthy genitals of a transgender person? Wow. Great argument. Yeah. Yep. Ruben, and I'll tell you, I think, why this whole movement has, uh, is front and center. This is just it's, just, it's just part of the whole homosexual movement. This is just, uh, you know, just, they're, 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 they're just a link in the chain. And I'll tell you why people embrace this false ideology, this diabolical deception. St. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. He says, for the wrath of God, that means the anger of God, okay, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of men. By the way, this whole transgender movement would be considered ungodly and wicked. Mm-hmm. Who by their wickedness suppress the truth. Close quote. There's the answer. Why is this movement front and center? Because men are wicked. I don't care if you got a PhD before your name or after your name. If you suppress the truth of God, that God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die for our sins, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, he started the Catholic Church as the social kingship of Christ for the salvation of the entire human race to restore the the scattered family of Adam and Eve. If you deny that then that's denying the truth. And by suppressing the truth, St. Paul says, you're wicked. And when a person is wicked, guess what? That means they're intellectually blind. Their understanding is darkened, and they come up with these nutty things like LGBT, transgender bathrooms, puberty blockers, you know, abortion, etc., etc. All this insanity, Ruben, all these mental disorders, this all comes... The, the whole transgender movement, it's not a civil right. It's a mental disorder. Mm-hmm. And we know, again, we know that demons are attracted to people with disordered thoughts. Like attracts like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just in the video, um, the uh, what's his name? Anthony? Um, the, uh, the the guy who put on the video just... What, Ryan Anderson. Ryan, Ryan Anderson. 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 He, yeah, he, he pointed out in the study that when left alone, these kids who are a little confused... 
they're going to work things out. It, it says 80 to 95% of the time. And there was a, a similar study. John Hopkins University professor Paul McHugh said the same thing. When children who reported transgender feelings were tracked without medical or surgical tr- treatment at both Vanderbilt University and London's Portman Clinic, uh, this this said 70, 80% of them spontaneously lost those feelings. So, so do you imagine how devastating um, it would be for a little boy or a little girl to have their body permanently mutilated just because he or she expressed a fleeting childish thought. And we, as kids that we, we have all kinds of different thoughts, you know? Uh, and, and you know, you think you're a, as a kid, you know, I thought I was you a think you're Superman. You, yeah. You yeah, put on a cape and you jump off the roof. How many of us did that? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. We, we think we're Spider-Man, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I get it. But then all of a sudden, like St. Thomas Aquinas says, he says the definition of truth is conforming yourself to reality. In other words, once you jump off the roof with a cape and you see that you can't fly and you land on your knees and you're bruised for days, you don't think you're Superman anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like St. Thomas says, the definition of truth is conforming yourself to reality. So we can't give blind affirmations uh, of gender identity and, and medical transition of children be- uh, it's it's not the compassionate route to take, and we need to uh, we we need to fight back on this because this is destroying our kids. <clears throat> this is and, the hill to die on, Ruben. This is the hill to die on. Yeah, this is it because uh, this is, I you know ultimately, I think this they're they're the LGBTQ and all the other alphabet soup letters they they use. So they their goal in the beginning was just to get uh, to the to let the if two people want to live together and they have a the, the medical one has medical uh, insurance, they just want to be on their policy. They want to be able to be accepted as a, as a couple, but they weren't even talking about marriage yet. So then it it swung to pushing for yeah. you know gay marriage and and every they, you give them an inch, they keep taking a foot, Jesse, and all the way down. And now their whole goal and and. Um, I forget. It was a, a conservative speaker who was talking about this, uh, and I forget his name. Uh, doesn't it's, it'll come to me? But he was saying that you know ultimately their goal is to have this um, man boy love that they're going to make it okay th- that they want you to be able to say okay, well, this is just another thing that he identifies with. I, I'm attracted to kids. You know, they want to make that okay, and uh, that's the the ultimate goal because, as we know, the left are uh, involved in. Uh, you know, child sex trafficking on a wide scale around the world. Yep. Yep. Uh, you saw Epstein Island. I mean, this, this happens all over the place. They're trying to normalize it. Uh, because again, the, uh, the devil hates children. And so the abuse of children is, 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 is like a rite. It's like a ritual, uh, for these Luciferians. But, uh, Ruben, I'll tell you that this whole gender ideology, it contradicts basic biology You'll have the left oftentimes are always saying, yeah, we believe in science. We believe in science. That's not true. No. Now they're singing a different tune because now they want us, people of faith and patriots and conservatives, they want us to disregard science because science disproves their gender ideology. What do I mean by that? The American College of Pediatricians said the following. They said, human sexuality is an objective biological binary trait, XY and XX are genetic markers of health, not genetic markers of a disorder, close quote. Mm. So telling kids that you can become the opposite sex, we call that gaslighting. What does gaslighting mean? It means it means to tell somebody that you have power over something to manipulate them psychologically 
and, and, and to get them to question their own sanity. This is called gaslighting. The Bible calls this deception. And we know that the devil is called the deceiver and the father of lies. That's right. And in the video, they pointed out that, uh, like you, you mentioned, the suicide rate going up 20-fold 20, 20 and uh, comparable to non-transgender populations. And this disturbing result has it has no yet no explanation, but probably reflects the growing sense of isolation reported by the aging transgendered after surgery. You know, can you imagine that, you know, the body's still going to get old and, and all these parts are going to, are going to fall. And the, the high suicide rate certainly challenges the surgery prescription. But when presented with evidence like this, you know what the left says? Uh, the, the sex change therapy therapy usually say that negative health outcomes arise from social stigmas. So that's what they want to blame it on or lack of resources for the transgender. But it's a it's a, a classic example of uh, of heads I win tails you lose, you know. So they want to they want to make give you an excuse why this is this is happening to the transgender instead of saying hey no it's as a result of 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 changing your body and you're not eventually you're you're going to be conflicted and you know it leads to suicide. That's right, Ruben. The transgender movement. Come on, it, let's just admit the the studies are in. It shatters people's lives. And what do I mean by that? Most of these people that do this, they have these changes, they have regrets, or they fall into despair, or they fall into deep depression, or about 41% of them uh, attempt suicide. Okay? Mm-hmm. This is this is the shattering of lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, as Catholics, we are called to exercise the spiritual works of mercy, which is instruct the ignorant instruct the ignorant instruct the ignorant that's right up next we'll be talking about hey father mike smith got a tattoo and he's not exactly happy about it or is he so we'll talk a little bit about tattoos this should be fun now back to jesus 911 if this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. To Matt Carr, Jesus 911, we're back. We're going to have a, a little fun with this next one, uh, this next topic. Yeah. For, let, let me mention, uh, Ruben, first of all, Father Mike Schmidt is a friend of mine. We're friends. Mm. So uh, I know him. Uh, God, he's got some great personality. He's a good teacher. Uh and he put out an article. He put himself out there, so I guess we would talk about it. You know, just uh, just put it out there since he did. Mm-hmm. It's called Father Mike Schmitz got a tattoo, and he's not exactly happy about it. <laughs> the article's very short. I'll just read it, and then we'll say make some comments. It says here, in 2017, Father Mike Schmidt published a video explaining the Catholic position on tattoos. As of this writing, the video generated more than 1.6 million views over the past six years. Father Mike Schmidt addressed the issue again in a new video announcing his new tattoo. In both videos, the priest explains that while the church does not prohibit tattoos, we must, we must carefully choose this marking. There are some tattoos that we as Christians would not be able to get. He says Christians cannot get tattoos of an evil, of a, of an evil nature, such as a satanic image. Christians must also be conscious of the location one obtains a tattoo and be mindful of the amount of tattoos. In the new video, Father Mike explains why he got his recent tattoo and why he's not exactly happy about it. 
At the 358 mark, Father Mike shows the audience his tattoo, which he obtained at the world's oldest tattoo parlor in Jerusalem. The tattoo says IHS, with an image of the Jerusalem cross, which is the oldest cross in Christianity. The cross stands for Jesus and the Gospels, or Jerusalem, he explains. The way I knew I wasn't doing something wrong was I wasn't happy that I got it. When I chose this, I chose it for a purpose. That purpose was to make me happy, he continued. Wasn't to make me happy. Uh, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Wasn't to make me happy. Yeah. Thanks for the distinction there. There's something about this that I never, ever, no matter what, I never want to be able to take off Jesus, Father Mike <laughs> says. If you're baptized, you've been clothing Christ. You can't take him off. Same with me. I've been clothing Christ in my baptism, and I can't take him off, even if I wanted to. But there's some kind of expression of that. Now it's on my arm. He also says that the tattoo is also an opportunity for evangelization, especially if a stranger asks about it. I get to tell them about the cross, but I also get to say, this is the name of Jesus. So the question is, what do you think of Father Mike's tattoos? He makes some good points, I have to admit, Ruben. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he does. I know the, the New Testament doesn't say anything about whether or, or not a believer in Jesus Christ should right. get a tattoo there, you know, therefore we can't, yeah, cannot. Not explicitly, right? Yeah, that, that, that's why we can't see t tattoos of sin. But, uh, but the scripture's silence, uh, it's, it's getting, getting inked falls under the category of, of if it's in the gray area, you know. People yeah, that, be... yeah, that gray area. Remember we had, did a show on that, Ruben? Mm. Uh, I, I think we did a show on, uh, mm. on there are some things in life that are gray. Yeah. Hey, can I wear pants? Can I wear a dress? Mm -hmm. Uh, should I wear makeup? Should I not wear makeup? In other words, there's some things that the Bible doesn't clearly address. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Uh, we're living in a in a society now that uh, it's just so uh, prevalent, you know. It's almost, almost, it's, it's, when you see, don't see a kid with the tattoos, it's kind of a, man. He's wow. weird. Yeah, what what's wrong him, with this kid? Him, yeah. But uh, a lot of these people, and I know friends that they get, they start getting them, and it becomes an obsession, and they just ah. continue to, to, to put ink on every available skin part that they have. And uh, you know, I have a, you know, I have a nephew who, who has a lot of tattoos, and um, same thing. You know, they're always looking for the next one. What, what can we do? And they're they're spending thousands of dollars on it. That could be another issue. If they don't have the money to do it yet, like they're taking money off the table of their family or their children, then that could be a problem. You know, it's like gambling. You're, you know, you're, you're spending money that you shouldn't be spending. Um, but I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you my, my, my story is that I would have never got a tattoo because back in when, when I was competing in bodybuilding, it was taboo to have a, a tattoo because it would cover up the, you know, the definition and, and, and you, it wouldn't be as pleasing to the judges. So right. um, now I just came from a bodybuilding contest this weekend. My nephew competed and he's got tons of tattoos. And um, so when I was asked to get a tattoo at the station at East LA, uh, it was like an, it was, it was more of an honor because I was part of the group. I was like, I, you know, we, we, we belong. We, we went out there and we did things together Right, I can see that. Yeah, it's like, you know, Marines, they'll get a bulldog on their arm and, you know, military uh, SWAT, SWAT guys and uh, Navy SEALs, you know, they have their own tattoos. So, you know, we had one at the station. And so I was honored to get it. But I mean, I know it was a grown man and I still kept it for my dad, you know. <laughs> Finally, like six months later, he saw it. And um, 
And, you know, he, he gave me uh, an earful, you know. He started talking about how the Jews got tattooed and during the, the Holocaust, and, you know, it was a mark that permanent, permanently on, your, on you for, for life. And so, I mean, I listened and everything, and, and I mean, he had made some good points, but um, I, it's down on my ankle, so it's out of view, and it's not, you know. <laughs> I don't have anything in my lower back, by the way, Jesse, just Oh, thank just you. <laughs> appreciate that. I don't, I don't think your wife would appreciate that. <laughs> now, n- now it's, it, let, let me give you some context. In the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, this is a book written to priests, Leviticus 19.28, yes. it says, uh, it gives us the rules for tattoos. It says, quote, to the Jews, it says, uh, Moses writing to the Levite priest, you shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, mm-hmm. nor tattoo any marks on you. I am the Lord, close quote. So what's the context behind that? Well, God first gave this command to the Jews, to so the Israelites of the Old Testament, because what he wanted to do, he was drawing a line of demarcation between his chosen people and the Egyptians whose lands that they have just left after 430 years, and also the Canaanites, whose land they were about to enter, because both of these cultures were steeped in witchcraft and the occult, both openly worshipped and served demon gods, and both the Canaanites and the Egyptians, they both used tattoos on their bodies as part of their idolatry and pagan worship. So God was trying to protect the Israelites from opening themselves up to demonic influence. That's the context of that verse. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's why in the New Testament, you know, we're God's people in the New Testament. And in 2 Corinthians six seventeen, St. Paul says, come out from among them, come out from among them, close quote. In other words, St. Paul wants us to separate ourselves from the world and the world's fads. Because when we do that, you know, we will avoid doing things to our bodies, maybe that God never intended us to do. And that includes getting tattoos. In the New Testament, the only probe the only maybe admonitions you'll have in the new testament is this first corinthians 6 19 and 20 don't you know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit within you whom you have from god that you are not your own for you have been purchased at a price therefore glorify god in your body you have other passages again talking about giving glory to god with your body i would say that the only dangerous thing reuben about tattoos and and i would say this to the catholic audience is that Father Ripperger and other exorcists, they do a special rite over people that uh, become diabolically afflicted as a result of some of the tattoos that they put mm. on. And so Father Ripperger and other exorcists, they have a, they have a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a rite. It's called decommissioning tattoos. Mm. Any priest can do this. It's in Father Ripperger's book. And so a, if, if you're all marked up and, and you're having nightmares, bad thoughts, you're just living in a perpetual state of mortal sin, it may be, and here's the reason, Father Ripper and others say, it's because a lot of the people that put the tattoos on you, what they do is the tattoo artist, they curse the ink. And so p- the clients are allowing cursed ink to be put into their body by a secular humanist who's probably a loose, maybe a Luciferian, who's basically, these guys, when they curse the ink, what they're doing is they're basically asking the demon to help guide the needle. And we know this because this, an article came out in a Rolling Stones magazine, a famous tattoo artist, Paul Booth, he says, while we, too ta- while we tattoo people, he says, he allows his clients, demons, to help guide the, ne- the, the, the needle. Oh, so that's oh. why Father Ripperger and other exorcists have, a, have a, a special minor exorcism. It's called the decommissioning of tattoos, because, again, th- you know, there's a very real possibility that the person that's doing the tattooing 
is quietly in his mind or under his breath doing little curses and hexes on you, or they curse the ink. That that's that's not uncommon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. It makes sense. Total sense, Jesse. And I know the um I I, I looked up the word tattoo. It doesn't enter the English language until like the 1700s. And so that's probably why, um, like in the Dewey Reams version of that Leviticus uh, 1928, it says, You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, neither shall you make it in yourselves any figures or marks. I am the Lord. King James Version says it's something similar. You shall not not print marks upon you. Uh, but then again, uh, some people argue that, the well, the the New Testament has done away with the old or, you know, the, yeah. the Mosaic law. And... Um, so, yeah, that's a good argument. Yeah, that, that's that's a good argument. Uh, here, here's what the here's, you never thought I'd be quoting the, our Kardashian on our show. Oh boy, you know, the the Kardashians were asked, uh, I forget which one. Why don't you put on a tattoo in your body? And she said, "I'm a Ferrari. I don't need bumper stickers." Mm. Uh, that's kind of a that's, that's kind of a good, good comeback. One. Yeah, that's a good comeback. <laughs> I'm a Ferrari. I don't need bumper stickers. There you go. That's that's great. Now, you know, um, if you're going to put if you know, I'm not going to get any more. But if, if I but if I was to get one, it would it would be like, a, you know, a St. Michael tattoo or something yeah. having to do with the faith. You know, uh, th- there was a, a time when guys at the station started getting uh, the St. Michael's uh, tattoo on their calf. Did you remember that, Jesse? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah. There was about 10 or 11 guys getting this Saint, big old St. Michael tattoo on, on the side of their from just below the knee on the outside of their cap. And one of, one of the guys was Jewish. And I said, wow, Randy, you, I, I hear, I see you joined the Catholic club there. He goes, no, I'm not Catholic. I'm Jewish. I go, well, you got St. Michael there. He goes, well, St. <laughs> Michael's in the old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Uh, as a Catholic, just remember this, uh, father Don Calloway, he goes, when I was young, I got, I got a lot of tattoos, you know, because he was involved in heavy metal and you mm, know, yeah. the sale of drugs. But Father uh, Calloway, he says, uh, when I get to heaven, God, you know, please God, he says, in fact, I, 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 uh, I got an uh, email from him. He says, I actually have one, Jesse. Uh, I got one when I was a deadhead back in the day. Now as a Catholic priest, I would never encourage anyone to get a tattoo. It's a permanent scourge on my body. He goes, I can't wait for judgment days for Jesus to burn it off before hopefully I enter into the gates of paradise. He goes, I can pretty much guarantee there are no tattoos in heaven. God bless you guys. That's funny. So so Father Calloway was a deadhead, so he he, he didn't know this, but he was following a mariachi for 30 years, you know. <laughs> didn't know that uh, that the leader of the band was uh, Hispanic. Anyway. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Hey, that's a wrap, Ruben. All right. Yep. Jesus 911. Hey, up next, Gary Machuda, the big guy. Coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. Hands-on apologetics, high-level apologetics. As for Ruben Ama, Jess Romero, two cops for Christ, we are out. E-O-W, end of watch. We're 10-7. God bless you. Keep the faith. And remember, St. Father Pio says, pray hope and don't worry. Worry is useless.